What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. I have a guest, a good friend of mine, a Seton Hall alum himself, Frankie Lisa. We are happen to be in Greek life together. Uh, he has the luxury of being able to talk the final four with us today, as well as some major news that took place at Seton Hall with us hiring Shaheen Holloway from St. Peter's after his Elite Eight run. Frankie, how are we doing? Thanks for coming on. Appreciate your time. Doing great. Thanks for having me on, Blaine. Great intro, by the way. Hey, you know, you gotta you gotta keep it short and sweet. Yeah, give them you give the people what they want. You give a little hello, you know. You say, you know who I am. I'm your host, Blaine Spencer, as always. So, and then you you lead in from there. It's, podcasting's a little a little bit of fun as long as you just keep it very casually, go with the flow. You know what I mean? So, all right. All right. Without further ado, let's give a reason of what I, where I am at right now. I am actually in a conference room at Seton Hall University. Why do you ask? We kind of gave you a sneak peek there. Shaheen Holloway was officially hired this week at Seton Hall University to come back as the Seton Hall men's basketball coach. As many of you have known, he's kind of blown up in recent weeks with the madness of March as he took St. Peter's, the first ever 15 seed, to the Elite Eight made history our coach kevin willard decided to take a job down at maryland university of maryland and it was almost a no-brainer as seton hall brought holloway back a former point guard himself as well as uh, an assistant at seton hall university frankie give me your overall impression of the hiring i think it was pretty much a, a slam dunk there was nothing if you the only reason we would, could have screwed this up is if we didn't offer him the job you said it's slam slam dunk. I, I got to see that game against Purdue live when they when they advanced in Philly and they St. Peter's did it, it didn't look like a fluke. They looked like a very competent basketball team. They ran they ran good plays from the half court and they just outplayed Purdue in every part of the game. And that's and there were some people saying, you know, fire Willard like years ago. But I was, I was, I didn't know how I felt. I was torn on it because I didn't want to let him go without a good replacement lined up. You know, otherwise we would just set ourselves back. But I'm happy that we have a replacement lined up, and and I'm happy it worked out for Kevin Willard too. You know, I'm sure he's happy. He got a good job. Shane Holloway got a good job. Everybody's happy. Without question, and it was really intriguing as. Again, reason I was here was to actually attend the press conference. It was a sight to behold. They were they also live streamed it. If you guys didn't have the opportunity, it's also on their YouTube channel. So check it out. He kept it very short and sweet. He had one of the class acts that he actually did was the St. Peter's entire team attended the presser, and he made Seton Hall faithful stand up and really give them a round of applause because he knows that he wouldn't be in this position without them and I think you said it great was trying to find a replacement for Willard and we thought Shaheen was the answer as while he was on staff but then you have that mindset of taking a step back especially with him leaving for a program at St. Peter's small program very small conference in the MAAC and if he struggles do you really want to take that chance on bringing him back and this whole opportunity has really exploded for him and given them that opportunity do you think that he was the answer beforehand or just because of how this run has unfolded has really just cemented that? Uh, I think it's from what I've heard, it seems like this was lined up a few weeks ago, even before St. Peter's started winning games in the tournament. 
it seemed like this was a possibility. I'm sure people in, inside that world would, tell, would know better. But yeah, and then that, that run cements it. It almost scared me a bit. I was thinking he'd get a better offer than seeing all. But if he kept winning, but and it seems like his players like knew about it too, and they're all happy for him. You know, we they're like it's it's an upgrade. You, it's an opportunity you have to take. You know, you're going from uh, a college that looks like a high school gym to getting to play in one of the Power Six conferences. Yes, I said it, Power Six. You're putting the Big East in that in in, in the conversation. Yeah, <laughs> and what, what are his players going to say? Don't take this seven figure job yeah you you kind of nailed it right it's, on a, it's an incredible opportunity it's, it's something and that, and he's an alum like, you know it's worked for his whole life you know he's been coaching for years i'm sure saying the head coach st peter's was not his first coaching job so yeah no doubt and i think what all put in. and what helped us i think was a little bit was that the other major schools had already pretty much put the trigger on their candidates. And we were like the one school that kind of held out because we kind of were hoping that he, that the major powerhouses would just get their candidates out of the way and start working on their recruitment and all that. And we were just like, I also heard around like the people that I've talked to is that most programs didn't go after him because they kind of assumed that he was going to take Seton Hall even if the, a major program like a Florida or a Maryland offered him, which was kind of intriguing yeah. to hear about that. So, yeah, I mean, some of those boosters write a blank check though. It might be tough to, well, to say no. <laughs> yeah. Well, how much, yeah. how much can I put my pen down to this paper to get you to come over here? Right. Yeah. But, and I, I think it's a good hire too, you know, like when you're talking about replacing Willard, like Shaheen, some he, he's a younger coach that can you know he played he played a Seton Hall he he knows the ins and outs of the program already like he's someone that can relate to the players very well. So and I he feel was like the, that would be a good fit for where the team's at now. I was thinking either that kind of coach or or a crazy old guy who's a complete lunatic and is <laughs> going to whip the kids into shape. Someone like a Frank Martin who recently got fired, but he got hired at UMass, I believe. Yes, UMass, UMass. He was not I was thinking someone like Frank Martin. If it's not Shaheen, I would, I would want somebody like that. You know, the, the two polar opposites, but I'm happy with Shaheen. Yeah, and I last, before we move on to the, uh, the next topic here, which is going to be primarily what we're going to focus on, the final four, is that he was the lead recruiter for all of these guys that we've been able to – Pulling yes. when he was on Willard's staff. He was the lead recruiter for Whitehead, lead recruiter for Carrington, for Sonogo, for Delgado, for Rodriguez, for Miles Powell. Like he was the main focal point to really bring these guys in. And last year we were pretty reliant on the portal. We were not, our, our recruiting class was not as good as it had been in recent years. He was also the main guy to bring Roden in for us, who is now probably leaving the program and so i think he's going to really instill that recruitment aspect back into seton hall i know it's going to probably be a couple of years of trying to get that turnover in probably another year relying on the portal but things are bright for us i think for sure down the down the road so you think kevin willard relied too heavily on the portal on transfers the last two years because yes. i kind of I, yes. I see what you're saying because without question like i, I like too much these guys turn, but too much turnover only it's too much turnover. It's a temporary. It's, it's a temporary fix. You know what and I mean? 
yeah, I feel like by the time some of these guys like figured it out, they're almost on they're on their way out. It's almost the end of their last season by the time they really gel together the rest of the team. And then one thing that I always like instilled in this is like when you're bringing in transfers, are they really, how much are they going to really buy in to what you're preaching? You know what I mean? They're already coming from a uh, different program. I, I know they, I think they can too, but how much are they going to, it's for one year. Do they fully buy, buy into what you're selling? I've always questioned that about the portal. <laughs> so I mean, like, especially if it's a grad transfer, like, you know, this is yeah. their, pretty much their last run at doing something if they're not going to go pro. Well, so I'd say, I mean, yes and no, like probably not buying into like the culture of the school as much, but they're, but they're treating it like a job too. Like, especially if you're a grad transfer, you know, like, you know, it's your last season. Like you're most guys like tend to upgrade to from where they were at. And, you know, it's like one last season to prove you might have a shot at the NBA or one last season to prove you can play on the big stage in a big conference, win the title. Yeah. So I think I think some of those guys are just fully committed to basketball, and like what was the who is the uh, this is a vague description because they always have a giant white center, but Purdue, what was the kid's name last year? Uh, Harms. Yeah, Harms. 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 Like when he transferred to BYU, he said like it wasn't like obviously he was a the kid he's from the Netherlands or something, and he's finding himself in, in the middle of Utah. He said it was a big change of scene, but it's I was only there. But, you know, it's more like an assignment. Like, you're only there nine months. Like, you're not there for four years. You're not finding – it's not a new home necessarily. Like, you're there, like you're there just focus on basketball. Yeah, just a temporary stop. But I think it's going to be really intriguing to see how Seton Hall unfolds with this. Again, as we both said, slam dunk hiring. I think it's going to really work out for us in the long run. And Shaheen's not going anytime soon. As he said in his presser, he has been waiting for this opportunity to come back to the hall, like since he pretty much left and he, he's not one, he doesn't want to screw it up because he's too passionate about what's going to be happening. But let's go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know how connected you are in the scene hall basketball underworld, but have you been checking out Twitter at all Twitter spaces. I have been a little bit. Been been hearing a lot of rumors there. I don't believe all of them are true, but some of them might be true. What do you, what do you, what are you hearing? Uh, teen drama. Like what's like, is Bryce Aiken? Did he sit out for an extra year of eligibility? What <laughs> is he on? Is he going on year seven of college ball? There, I, from what I, from my, what what's, I've heard. Is, is there corruption the injury, within team all athletics? The, I mean, first we got Miles Powell suing the team. We have another woman's player suing the team. And then we have Bryce Aiken who, I don't know, get, Locked in the head and misses three months. Well, what's the what's concussion going on was here? the concussion was legit. The concussion was bad, and at that point, it was he was out for already like three or four weeks. And I think they just said it's time to shut it down because he still was still struggling on a day to day basis. So like one day he would have a good day, next day he was having a okay day, then it was a bad day, all getting mixed in. So the Aiken situation, but yes, I have seen some of the things that you have met uh, that you're talking about. And I think it's still transpiring a lot with those uh, different aspects with, with the hall. So, but I think Aiken's <coughs> done personally, but it'll be, I don't know. Personal. I really don't know. Um, for the Perry Ellis lifetime achievement. Award. Oh gosh. Speaking of Kansas, 
Speaking of Kansas, that's a perfect yeah. segue, Frankie. Good job. And uh, <laughs> into our final four, we have four blue bloods this year, which is kind of yep. intriguing because it's been very rare recently. We have Kansas versus Villanova in our first matchup with then the battle of what is it? The greatest thing right, on down Tobacco Road and Duke in North Carolina in the second matchup. That's pretty much in Coach Gay's last hurrah. And then North Carolina beat them in Cameron on his final home game. There's just so much to talk about here. But let's start off with the first matchup. It was, it was also senior night, too. People people forget about that because it became Coach K night very quickly. Yes, it did. But let's just let's, uh, remember, let's give a shout out to the seniors on Duke basketball if they even have any. <laughs> I think they have one or two, I believe, which is – which in today's age is pretty good with how people roll out to the draft, especially at major programs. But Kansas Villanova first matchup. Kansas hasn't won the title since 2008, since Mario Chalmers had his great moment against the Memphis Tigers. Villanova trying to win. Uh, what is it? The third time in roughly six years now. Yeah. Haven't won since 2018. Back. The third time in six years. <clears throat> What do you see in this matchup? What, what are you really going to be looking for in this Kansas-Villanova matchup? And then give me a prediction. What do you like? Right. So, okay, so did you ever see Coach Carter? I have. Love that. Remember the first – remember before the first film. game, all week at practice, they didn't run a single play. All, all they did was run. And then he said, Coach, what do we do? We don't know any plays. He said, what do you do in practice? Run. So, we're going to run. That's what Kansas does. They, that's what they did all season. That's how they beat Miami. Miami tried to run with them. It went well for about five minutes. went okay for about five minutes. And then it, it – And then Laranega told downhill. them, you better slow down, otherwise we're going to get blown out. That's, and they didn't listen. <laughs> yeah, that's – exactly. Kansas, that's that's how they played all year. They, they're they very deep, and they, they like to get in transition and speed up the game as much as they can because they know they can – if they turn it into a track meet, they'll, they'll outrun any team. And – Villanova, they lost Justin Moore. They're thin right now. They're gonna have, they they have a thin they had a thin team to begin with. Like they didn't dive deep into the bench to begin with, and now so they're gonna need a Luke Hancock like performance. Someone someone from the bench we haven't heard about much needs to step up. And if there's a team and like I, we were talking about before with the pace, they need to slow the game down. And I, I think if there's a team that can do it though, like can like control the pace of the game the way Kansas does, I'd say Nova. They like Jay Wright might Jay Wright better come out with a good plan to slow it down as much yeah. as he can. Yeah, I think that you kind of nailed it on the head here. It's a almost a battle of two spectrums, right? You're gonna have the more meticulous and efficient team in Villanova here, top yeah, ten in offensive in efficiency, top twenty can. in defensive efficiency. They're gonna slow the game down, and then Kansas. They're going to rely on their athleticism and they're going to want to speed the game up. And the guard play is going to be really intriguing with Remy Martin and Colin Gillespie. Really intriguing. Martin comes off the bench and it, he, he is a, he's a racer. He wants to go not even fast. He wants to go turbo. Like the man plays going 110 miles an hour and Gillespie, the arguably what Jay Wright says, the most biggest, best leader he's ever had basically a coach on the floor. He's going to really take on this matchup personally, I think, and really slow the game down tempo. 
Is that a dig at Ryan Archdiakono? That's Best what Jay Wright – basically, it's what Ryan, Jay Wright said it, not me. It, that's a legit <laughs> quote. So, <laughs> But, again, two spectrums. I think this is actually going to – again, the more injury is massive because yeah. they're already extremely thin. But I think it's going to be really – X factor here is how – I can't even say his name. Ogabaji, is that how I say Abaji. it? Abaji. How he plays yeah. because in this tournament he has been extremely passive, look not looking for his shot. He has been a passer trying to help his teammates get into the flow of the game, and then by that time it's been too late, which is why the games have been tighter for them and they've been hitter very a very streaky yeah. team this tournament because he has not been the aggressor, and you he has to be that, especially against a, a Villanova team that's undersized. Yeah, exactly. In retrospect, he's, he's in best, all five positions. He's the best athlete on that floor. During Correct. That, during that game, he's going to be the best athlete on the court at all and times. I, and if he does, if he plays passive, Villanova will win this game because of it will be a tight game for sure, but you're going against the best free throw shooting team in the in, ever in college basketball. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, you know yeah. if they get if they're up at the end of this game, it's over. So I no, like Villanova yeah. personally. What do, you, what do you like? All right. I'm all personally, I am all in on Kansas because okay. I need them. If they went, if they went, if they take it home, I'm winning my bracket. So I'm all personally. <laughs> it's, a per, I'm it's a personal vendetta. It's not a but, logical pick. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> but, but logically, too, I, I do think they're going to win unless, unless, like I said, unless like, no Villanova has a Luke Hancock that they've been hiding on the bench all season who comes out and makes some big threes. And if they get to the foul line too, because like you said, they don't miss free throws. So they have, they have to get to the rim and put McCormick in foul trouble. Kansas and, McCorm- and McCormick's not a hundred percent healthy, which is also a huge caveat there. With- that too. Was it, is it, is it his time, leg? He has or time to rest though. I don't know. It's not like they were playing like the back to back or like, you know, the, two games within three or four days, like the three sixteen was very true. Uh, but how much can you, how much can you, really, how much can you really get him to heal up though? in only like four days, five days. So I think that's also an interesting part. So there we go. I, we're a little split here. I've got Nova. He's got Kansas. I'm rolling with Frankie's big six power conference team in the, <laughs> for his big East. Uh, but the real matchup of the night is North Carolina Duke. Yeah, uh, what? There's nothing more that you can really say about it. That that's yeah. just going to be hands down the most, arguably the most like, watched this, college basketball to... game. Like it, it, it actually cannot be scripted better, right? No, like how how have they never met before in this tournament until Coach K's final season, final game, maybe? It doesn't make wow. any sense. But what do you, you think? What Coach do you K see? gives a speech after the game if he loses. Oh yeah, without question. He, if, if, he he, if he loses, do I think he's gonna lose? No, because I think now it's destiny that he's gonna win it all. So you've already heard it from me right now. I have Duke winning it all, uh, in the rest of the way. But it's just they—they've Duke has turned a corner in these last couple of weeks of the tournament because they yeah. were extremely struggling against North Carolina. And then even in the ACC tournament, they weren't themselves. And then Virginia Tech smacked them in the mouth in the championship game. So, and you've, and you, you've seen the intensity 
and Coach K's masterclass of making an in-game adjustment, and the team and the team's not ready for it. Like in that in the Elite Eight matchup with Texas, or was it not Elite Eight or Sweet Six? The matchup with Texas Tech, right? Texas Tech. The Texas yep. Tech matchup. He went to that zone. Texas Tech, you could see, had no clue how to deal with it because they were not expecting to play zone. They were going to play zone at all. And then he takes the advice of his team, his team, his team wants to go back to man and they close it out playing man to man defense. Just the, the in-game adjustments of, of what coach K can bring to the table. Just it's going to be a different thing. I think he's going to have a whole different idea of how to guard Carolina. So I think I really like Duke here yourself. What do you like? Yeah, I, I think, I think Duke's going to win. It's, it's star power against star power. North Carolina, they underwhelmed all season, but they have all the talent they need. And they just fig- and they got hot at the right time, and they just figured out how to play about a month ago, and it's been working. So they and they've looked and they've looked really good recently. Luke Maddox gonna have, I think Maddox needs to have a big game. Him versus Williams on Duke. That's gonna be a good matchup because Williams, another guy, he's underwhelmed all year, but he's put it together in the tournament. And it's going to be a tough matchup, but I think Duke's, I, th- I do think Duke's going to win it. Did you see the way that was it? I don't remember if it was against Arkansas in the elite eight or if it was against Texas tech where Duke came out of the gates with like five, with like the first five possessions. It was like four turnovers and like, and that was the tech game. They just came out tech. so flat because I think yeah, they, cause tech, they, tech I thought they were, punt- Tech, tech goes for the knockout punch like really early against teams because they know that they can't really outscore teams, so they have to really not really knock them out on the defensive end of the floor. And you really saw the intensity, and Duke kind of came out a little flat, and they flat. jumped all over. That's a that's a very nice way of describing it. I, I thought Paolo was drunk again out there. <laughs> I mean, did you <laughs> – they were just they were making passes that me and you would know not to make. They were they were just they were reckless with the what are you ball. trying to and say? Tech, Tech was being aggressive, but Duke was I've never seen a team that good be that careless in like the biggest game of their lives. Yeah, that's, I, I was scared because I I was you I was were scared. scared. I was like, wow, this for is, what? That they were gonna I, lose. I don't know. I thought I thought <laughs> Texas Tech was gonna run away with that game. I knew that the tech wasn't going to run away with it because as a Notre Dame fan myself, they couldn't run away against us. So they, how are they going to run away against Duke? I thought maybe there was this crazy amount of pressure on the, on the kids or something on the, on the players or something. And they were just so overwhelmed because I don't know, maybe, you know, like knowing like they have to win for coach K because like he, it's not like coach K put any pressure on them or anything by making this a whole retirement tour. Well, you saw it. The pressure got to them at the end of the year in the regular yeah. season. And it got yeah, to them the in Carolina the game. They were set up and they, they were set, were up, set to up to fail. fail. Exactly. All all the players, all their favorite NBA players, all the big all the Duke alumni, like all their favorite rappers were there. Like everybody, all their favorite celebrities, all the all the legend Duke legends, NBA Hall of Famers were sitting front and center. And Correct. They and they got they got throttled they got their ass kicked. Yeah, and they and the one game, thing in North Car- that helped North Carolina really finish their season off 
Because I think that, you, that you can you can the confidence they needed going in. And you could say North Carolina's easily been the best team in the tournament out of the four left. They've been the most dominant. They almost had that debacle against Baylor. But if Manic doesn't get ejected, they blow them out, right? So, like, I think that yeah. the well, ejection. You can't even call it a debacle. They took down the one seed. Yeah, the and then the, the UCLA. Like, it doesn't matter how you do it. You take down the one seed. Like, they're, like that's, not, that's no debacle. I don't know. It, it did get close at the end. It got a little too close. Like well, look at look at the, look at their path. They take they have taken out two of the final four teams from last year, and it's not like they took out Baylor, not the same team, but then you pretty much take out the exact same UCLA squad that went to the final four. And yeah. personally, they were my pick in my bracket to win it all. UCLA, so it kind of screwed me over in that regard. So thanks, Carolina, but puts me in like the fortieth percentile. Yeah, that was guys, an, so. that was the other game I saw along with. Uh, along with the St. Peter's Purdue. That yeah. Carolina, so that, was another that was a great, great game. game too. And that was, and that that's was the only time they've been truly tested. The only true test. Well, I mean the overtime against Baylor, you could say it was a test, but I, I think that the UCLA game was the real test that they had so far. And then the St. Peter's is they, yeah. I think they didn't want, they heard, they were, had heard the noise. And they were like, we're not going to be this team. We're not going to be the next one to fall. Right. And mm-hmm. they kind of, they played like it. They played like that. They were going to like the best, one of the best teams like in the country. And they were like, sorry, buddy. Like you're Cinderella. This is where it ends. I can't, we are not allowing you to take us away from the final four. Yeah. And I felt like, so like for this Duke game coming up, I think it's just going to come down to who hits more big shots and RJ Davis and, um, Love on Carolina. They can't wait until the last five minutes of the game to start hitting shots. Love have, as love have been has been that's what they did against mind this tournament. But that's what they did against UCLA. UCLA kind of controlled most of the game. It felt like UCLA. It felt like they were going to win. And Love had kept them in the game until, because of with his remarkable performance. There is no way they win that game without Love playing yeah. out of his mind. And he waited for the last ten minutes, the last five or ten minutes to really kick it up so they right but you can't you're not going to get away with that against duke you can't leave points on the board early it's going to be intriguing to see with baycott another one who's not fully healthy with he's got a little bit of back tightness on a week on a day-to-day basis so how how, what are you going to get from him is another big thing because they they should win the the battle in the paint you would think because that would be an interesting to see if if Baycott actually guards Bancaro too from time to time. How they're going to match up in that regard? You think Carolina's going to win? I paint? don't. I have Duke winning. Uh, no, in the paint, you said. I think Carol the the battle of the paint is going to dictate the game. I think Baycott is, um, has to dominate the paint if they want if North Carolina wants is a chance. John, is Theo John on Duke? Is he healthy? Theo John's healthy, but he hasn't been playing much coming off the bench since Jaszewski's okay. kind of tightened. Tighten the rotation these last couple games. Because uh, yeah, he'll, he'll have to play big off the bench, especially. If, and they'll probably. I think John will say play a decent amount of minutes from being from Pitt and playing in the playing in those type of games in the ACC, knowing the understanding of going against these guys. So, right, he's from Pitt, right? No, Marquette. Never mind. I'm stupid. No, um, you're thinking he kind of looks vaguely similar to. 
that guy on Pittsburgh that Kemba Walker dropped. Maybe that's who you're thinking of. That's exactly who I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only what 15 years behind <laughs> ahead. That's like, not 15 years ago. Years over ago. a decade. Over a decade at least. It's like 10 or 12, though. Yeah. But all right, Marquette. But North Carolina did play Marquette last year when John was there. I know that he had played them recently. So I think he'll play decent minutes in that regard. But you'll Manic see it'll be interesting. Big shots. Brady Manic needs to hit some big shots. Manic is the X factor. He wait, he waited a little too long in that UCLA game to pick it up also. Correct. He, he he hit, and he hit a few daggers at the end. Yeah, so I think this it's gonna be really unturning. We have both have Duke winning, right? Yeah. You have Duke winning this matchup. All right, yes, so sir. then I'm not going to record another show by Monday. So I have Duke Nova. You have Duke Kansas. All right, give me your breakdown of what you're going to see there and who do you have cutting down the nets? Um, like I said, I'm, I'm all in on Kansas. Kansas was very – they were sneaky this season. Like, they were very quiet. We didn't talk about them very much, but they just, they just, kept, they just kept winning games. And – I think they're good. I think there's too much hype, too much pressure around Duke. I think if they if they don't if it doesn't cave in, if it doesn't cave on Saturday, it's gonna happen during that national championship game. And then Coach okay. K is gonna take the microphone away from the winning team and then scold the fans for being too loud, <laughs> not allowing him to speak, and then thank and then thank everyone. Or, or, the, or make and everyone just take, make steal everyone the thunder of the actually. moment. Basically, he's going to say you're welcome. He's not going to say thank <laughs> you all. He's going to say you're you're all welcome. That's so bad. <laughs> so you have Kansas cutting down the nets. I yeah, personally I think, think I think Bill Self's overdue. He's come close, but a bunch of times since that since '08, and I think yeah. he's overdue for one. I just I can't. Well, I have I don't have Kansas in the final. I've got Nova, and I think. This is where you're going to see the Elijah Moore injury real, or is it Eli- Elijah Moore? Uh, it's, no, it's not. It's Justin Moore. Sorry. Is it Elijah or Justin? I think it's Justin, Justin Moore. Moore. It's Justin Moore. See, I am having a horrible a day with names right now and remembering where they actually are. But Justin Moore, the, this is where you're going to see the injury actually play a massive role, especially on the short turnaround. Duke can go seven or eight deep. I think Nova's only going to go probably six. If that, they might just play their starting five the whole game. I would not be surprised at all. And yeah. think what? Like, maybe is going to be aggressive and go go to the rim every time and get yeah, it. Yeah. I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to force the issue with Bancaro in the post. I think that's going to be the be- best idea for Duke to be successful if they're playing Villanova, which is what I have. And I, it's just destiny, man. There's no other way to finish a script then have Mike Krzyzewski cut down the nets in his last hurrah. The Duke Blue Devils will get it done. So honestly, I had Duke losing in the Sweet 16, and if they didn't get – if they got past that, I thought they were going to win it all. So, and – Well, you said there's no the better nets. way the script ends than when Duke cutting down the nets. I, I, I'll raise you one. I have a much better way. It all right, ends, what's a better it, way? It ends with Duke losing in the most gut-wrenching way possible, and Coach K beater. takes the microphone and scolds the crowd. for. <laughs> Come on, man. And then tells the players, like, they got embarrassed 
or you know, or live on national television performance. And you know he wouldn't. He won't do that though. I don't think that'll happen. You know, I don't think he'll. I don't think it'll happen, but it wouldn't shock me. It would surprise me. Wouldn't shock me. Just like this is my moment. You guys have taken it away from me. My team laid an egg (laughs) on the grandest stage. I don't know. I think it's that's. I don't. We'll see. You have Kansas. I've got Duke. Neither of us took North Carolina, so that uh, so North Carolina is going to win it all. That's just how it's going to end up playing out. <laughs> but without further ado, I want to thank Frankie for coming on the Final Whistle Sports Podcast with me. It's been a real honor. Uh, that's it, everybody. We're going to wrap it up here. Enjoy the Final Four. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.